Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. It wasn't pretty, but I did it. It was not pretty, but I made it to that finish line. I finished well. And this, this, there is this promise that, it, that is made for you and I. And all who love his appearing, that's Jesus and his, his appearing, you stay focused on him. You stay committed to him. He's, he has a prize for you. He has a prize for you. Just finish the race that's been set before you. It seems like every other day, there's another giant in the faith who's come out saying that they've renounced their faith and the Lord himself. And in today's message, Pastor James will encourage you to run that race that is set before you. Your faith and relationship with Jesus is a lot like a marathon. It's long and it's not always easy, but you're never without help. You have to keep prayer, community, and the reading of the word in your life to keep running this race. They keep you rooted in your faith. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. And just imagine if the Apostle Paul were given this little device right here, and all I do is pull up my podcast and be like, who do you want to hear? Who do you want to listen to? And you name it. We can listen to anything and from anybody all throughout the world. You name it. The most popular podcasts are all pretty much centered around myths and fables. It's fascinating. Now, there's some popular preaching podcasts that are out there, and I listen to some of those. Some of those I stopped listening to because, well, they were pretty much worthless. If I'm going to be honest, I'm like, I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't, was the Bible ever going to be a part of that? No? Okay, then, unsubscribe. Um, the time is coming when people, they're not going to, they can't. It's, it's difficult for them to stomach healthy teaching. Well, why? Because a diet of junk food for so long can really cause havoc on your stomach. And then when it is time to sit down and somebody does actually just open up the word and just teaches the word, it can be a difficult thing to adjust to. It just can be. It's like changing your diet. It can be a difficult thing. There has to be some adjustments that are made. But they were living in the times where this was a reality for them. The time was coming, and Paul saw it. So storm clouds. The time was coming. This is going to be the reality concerning the church world. People can't endure the sound teachings anymore, but they're going to have these itching ears. They, they just want to hear what makes them feel good. I got an itch. I need somebody to scratch that itch. And so what they do is they accumulate for themselves. They'll just find the teachers that know how to scratch the itch. And when that teacher can't do the job anymore, well, then they'll go and find somebody else. And this, uh, I, I can't think of anything that's, that's more accurately describes the world in which we live today. It's like that church shopping kind of deal. It's like, well, I mean, I understand if you're trying to find a good pastor to sit under and hopefully he's teaching the word and all that good stuff. Hey, you know, you go where you have to go. Do what you have to do. But at one point in time, you got, you're going to have to settle in somewhere because the more you, the bouncing around, then 
well, is the body being blessed or have any benefit from your spiritual gifting? They don't if, you're, if, if people are just hopping around everywhere. It's like, no, find where God wants you to be and plug in and serve. That's what, that's what a church is. It's not this, me, and it's, no, it's, it's us working together is, is what it is. So they're going to build up, they're going to accumulate for themselves the teachers uh, that, that, you know, scratch the itch, so to speak, um, goes on to say in verse 4, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables or these myths, these legends, okay? But verse 5, you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So I love what Paul kind of wraps up this little section just saying, listen, Timothy, regardless, it doesn't matter what the, what the culture is that surrounds you. It doesn't matter. You have one job, preach the word. Preach the word. And this is how you should be doing it. And even if everyone leaves you, you stay focused. It's that sober-minded thing. You stay focused. And you keep your eyes on Jesus. You endure the suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. A lot of people believe that Timothy had this gift of an evangelist. And Paul is essentially telling him, like, listen, even if nobody's showing up, keep doing what you've been called to do. Keep doing what you've been called to do. You fulfill your ministry. And now Paul's going to use his life as an example. Look at this next section. Verse, uh, verse 6, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. That is connected to those Old Testament teachings we were just talking about. Uh, if you want to know about drink offerings, you can go back into uh, the first five books, the Pentateuch is what they call it, um, and uh, specifically from Exodus on, and you can learn all about drink offerings. And Paul is saying, I am that offering. I'm being poured out as a drink offering, and, and the time of my departure is at hand. I love that he, he does not say the time of my death is at hand. The time of my departure is at hand, okay? Because he understands, I'm just going to sleep. I'm waking up, I'm going to sleep in this world, and I'm waking up in my forever world. New heaven, new earth. I'm not even worried about it. It's just, I'm just jumping on a plane. My departure, the plane's arrived. It's time to go. He goes on to say, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but, to all, uh, but also to all who have loved his appearing. I love that. I love that confidence that Paul has. He's like, listen, I fought the fight. I ran the race. I finished my job. I did it. And not only have I done that, and he, he was not saying he did it perfectly. He's just saying that he finished. He says, and here's what I know. Jesus is waiting at the finish line with this wreath for my head because I have finished the race. I've competed. I finished. There's too many, too many, and you'll hear this and you'll see this more and more. I promise you this. Too many who were once running the race that are no longer running the race. Dropping like flies. Did they ever know the Lord? Did, I don't know. I don't know any of that stuff. I don't know. The Lord knows their hearts. All I know is I'm watching and I'm reading articles and stories from, from individuals who at one point in time were writing books 
about how much they love Jesus, and now they're coming out with articles saying, I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I don't even know if I believe in him. I mean, I love Jesus. I like God, but I couldn't call myself a Christian. I'm like, you sound the opposite of Paul in this story. I want to be like Paul at the end of my life when my time of departure comes where I'm like, I fought the fight. I finished the race. I did the job. I did. I finished. I finished well. Like I'm done. I, I want to, and we need more and more believers who can be as confident as Paul is in his dying days to just say, you know what? It wasn't pretty, but I did it. It was not pretty, but I made it to that finish line. I finished well. And this, this, there is this promise that, it, that is made for you and I. And all who love his appearing, that's Jesus and his, his appearing, you stay focused on him. You stay committed to him. He's, he has a prize for you. He has a prize for you. Just finish the race that's been set before you. So that's what Paul's telling Timothy. He's like, listen, here's what I expect from you. I expect that you finish the race because I have finished the race. And every single one of us needs that in this life. I hope, and we talk about this all the time, but I hope that you have had somebody in your life who's gone ahead of you who can look back to you and say, I finished the race, now you finish the race. And then you turn around to see whoever's following you or whoever God has placed within your sphere of influence. And you say, when the time has come, you say, I have finished the race. You finish the race. Pass that baton on. We all need it. We need the one who's gone before us and we need the ones who are coming up to replace us. We need to be like Paul in this story and just saying, look, man, I'm done. I'm crossing the line. It's right there. I'm finishing this thing. I'm finishing this thing. Now, Timothy, it's up to you to keep running. It's up to you to keep running. And then this last part, we'll just read through this pretty quickly because it's a bunch of names that I'm going to have a hard time pronouncing. Um, surprise, surprise. Uh, but Paul does, he, he does let Timothy know, like, this, you need to endure the affliction. You need to, no matter what happens, because here's the reality of, of the ministry, and here's the reality of sometimes serving the Lord. Verse 9 says, he uh, be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. This guy bailed on Paul in his time of need. Why? Because he, he loved the things of the world too much. And he's like, you know what, this Christian thing, this Christianity thing, the price is too great. And there's a lot of cool stuff in the world that he just want to, and really it's like indulging himself into the cares and the concerns of this world. And so he bailed on him having loved this present world, and has de- departed for Thessalonica. Uh, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for uh, Dalmatia. Uh, only Luke is with me. He's like, all these guys, they bailed on me. And it's not how you start. It's how you finish. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And these guys all bailed on Paul. And he's like, just me and Luke. Just me and Luke hanging out in the dungeon. Um, so can you get here quickly? Because it's starting to get cold. It's starting to get cold. And he wants, he wants some things too. But he goes on to say, uh, get Mark and bring him with you. And we'll go through this in the book of Acts. But there was one point in time Paul was like, listen, if we're going on this mission trip, this kid, Mark, is not coming with us. And him and Barnabas, Paul and Barnabas, split because of Mark. And now at the end of his life, Paul's like, hey, bring Mark, bring Mark. Why? Because he, he can help me out because he's beneficial. 
he is useful to me for ministry. I love how that, I love how that, even something that looks like a riff, that looks like maybe a division, a tear, can be brought back together and healed in the end of it all. That's amazing. And Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. I love it. This is amazing. Here's Paul. He's in a dungeon. He's like, listen, it's cold. I need my coat um, and need my books. And we don't know technically what books those are. And the parchments speak to written documents. A lot of that, most people believe that he's talking about like the word that he's written, that God, the Holy Spirit has inspired him. Like he's saying, I need my parchments. What do I need? And when I'm in the dungeon and I'm all alone, essentially, is what it feels like at times. What do I need the most? The word of God. I need the word of God. So Timothy, bring me the word. Please bring me the word. He goes on to say, Concerning this one individual, Alexander, the coppersmith, he did me much harm. Technically, what, what that's kind of talking about in the Greek there is saying that he, caught, he accused Paul of much evil. So this trial that probably ended Paul, that where Paul ended up in jail here for this time, uh, which would in, result in his execution, a lot of people would believe that this Alexander, the coppersmith, was there bringing up all these accusations against Paul. That was like the great harm that was brought. It was lies. It was all these lies. He did me much harm. May the Lord repair him, or repay him or according to his works. I like it. Um, Paul's like, you know what? God, go get him. Um, he could be the same Alexander from 1 Timothy 2 where Paul's like, listen, you got to get out of this place. You got to get out of this church. Um, a troublemaker. But Paul's like, I'm not even going to sweat it. God, he's all yours. He's all yours. And that should be our mentality as well. If somebody has wronged you, the smart thing to do is say, you know what, Lord, I'll let you handle them. I'll let you take care of them, right? But he gives Timothy the heads up. He's like, you must also be aware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. He's still active. He's still out there. He's going to call, if he caused Paul problems, he was going to cause Timothy problems. At my first offense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. So Paul's letting everybody know the ones who bailed on him, he's like, I don't hold it against you. You abandoned me, I don't hold it against you. It's kind of like, there's two stories that are, should bring it to your memory. Jesus on the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And then Stephen, as people are hurling rocks at him, and the apostle Paul, who was Saul, holding the coats, is saying, Lord, forgive them. Lord, forgive them. That's essentially what Paul is doing here. He's like, listen, if you bailed on me because you were scared or whatever reason... I don't hold it against you. All's forgiven. Here's the kicker, verse 17. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. That's who Paul was called to. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion. We don't know what that means. Was he literally facing a lion? Don't know. We don't know. Could that be uh, some sort of reference to Nero and all that? Possibly. All we know is that's not good. If you're facing a lion, that's probably not good. That's probably a deadly situation, okay? And he's just saying simply, God rescued me. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of a lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. Even in his dying days, he's like, it doesn't matter. 
I'm not worried about anything. But you're going to die. I know. That's cool. That's all right. But no, you're literally going to die. Your head is going to get chopped off of your body. You're going to die. That's probably going to be painful to a certain extent. He's like, I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. Why? Because the Lord is standing with me. And the Lord will preserve me. Whatever happens to me in this, on this earth, the Lord will get me through that. But he is preserving me for what's to come. Our time on this earth, we, we sometimes switch it, right? I remember Francis Chan using this illustration of a rope. He had this gigantic rope in the sanctuary. And he pulled out this rope and he's like, here's what we think of our lives. We think it's this rope. That he had on, the, on one tiny section of this rope, he had a piece of tape. And he says, reality is this. This piece of tape signifies our life on this earth. The rest of the rope is eternity. But we flip it. We think that what matters the most is what happens here on this earth. And it, that's the big part of the rope. No, it's not. Your life is a vapor. It's here. It's gone doesn't mean it's insignificant. It's very significant, but it is very short. And when you're talking about eternity, eternity, right? Paul's saying, listen, whatever happens to me on this earth, God will get me through it. But how? I don't know. Will there be pain? Yeah, probably. Will there be heartache? Absolutely. Will there be discouragement? Yeah, there will be. Will you want to quit? Of course. Many times. It's not a good selling point for Christianity, is it? But it's a reality. I'd rather live in that reality of knowing like, you know what? Because we're all going to face hurt. Whether you're a believer or not, we're all going to face hurt. We're all going to face pain. We're all going to face these, these moments in life. We will all face these things. I would much rather face them with Jesus in my corner than without him. So be encouraged, be exhorted that Jesus is with you. He is with you until the very end. The Lord deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. And then he just closes it out with a little shout out, right? He's like, um, verse 19, uh, greet uh, Prisca and Aquila, that's a shortened form of Priscilla. You may be wondering about that. Prisca and Aquila, the household of um, Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus. I messed that up in the first part of the book. <laughs> um, so that's a buddy of his. Erastus stayed in Corinth. Trophimus, I have left in uh, Miletus, who's sick. Do your utmost to come before winter. Remember that coat thing, right? He's like, yeah, it's, it's getting cold, buddy. Get here as fast as you can. Uh, Eubulus greets you as well as uh, Putin's Linus. We know that one, Charlie Brown, right? Um, Claudia and all the brethren. So Paul's just letting them know, like, listen, make sure you tell these guys that I say, hey, I send my love. Tell them. In case I don't get a chance to, will you just tell them that I said, hey, and thank you? Verse 22, the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Amen. That is actually technically divided into two things. To Timothy, the Lord Jesus Christ, be with your spirit. To the church, 
grace be with you. It's kind of what he was writing there. Because he is writing this to Timothy, but it's broader sense, it's to the entire churches within that region. And that's his last words. Like, that's it for Paul. That's like, if, whether it's him writing this, because he was having some eye issues, or, or maybe Luke was writing it for him as, pen, as Paul was speaking it, that's the last words. What beautiful last words. The Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, and grace be with you. Amen. We've heard some other famous dying words from people, you know, that have been just like, just horrible, and still cursing God till the, the last breath is leaving their body. I really appreciate the Apostle Paul, who was formerly Saul, the persecutor of the church, who hated, hated Christians, hated Christians. And how God can show up in this man's life on the road to Damascus and totally transform this guy, totally trans, just change everything about him inside and outside. Still the same person, but new heart, new mind, all that stuff. And God used him tremendously within the world to reach out to the Gentiles, the ones that the Jews just really didn't care about. Who's going after those guys? God said, I had the perfect candidate, the most Jewish of all Jewish men in all of history is going to go to these Gentiles. I'm going to use him to, to pen and to record most of the New Testament. An amazing man, a tremendous man, so smart, so brilliant, not not like how sometimes we envision him today as a chauvinistic, mean guy who hates women and all this stuff. You'll hear that. You'll hear that. You know, if you actually read through a lot of the letters that, remember, the Holy Spirit was giving him the words to put down. They're not his words. They're the Holy Spirit's words. You can see that Paul had great affection for everyone. He had great affection for everyone. He was the one, again, inspired by the Holy Spirit, who would say, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. Bondman or freedman, man or woman, it doesn't matter. In Christ, we're all the same. That was from the Apostle Paul. Just tremendous transformation in this man's life. And, and here it is. This is his last letter to his buddy, his son in the faith, Timothy. And he says, okay, now, Timothy, I'm tapping out. Your turn. Your turn. Now go and run. Go finish. Go do the work. Go do the work. Uh, Many years later, guys, work still needs to be done. Still needs to be done. Paul's gone. Timothy's gone. You know, all these giants of the faith, gone. Gone. Doesn't mean that God's out of options. Doesn't mean he's out of options. Doesn't mean that there's not other giants, quote unquote, of the faith that have yet to realize their potential or be used by God. My encouragement to all of us is this. Just like Paul would tell Timothy, run your race. Run the race. Finish well. Finish well. Fight the good fight. It is a good fight. It is a good fight. Fight it. Go for it. Be ready in season, out of season, and just preach the word. Just give them the Bible. Give them the word. Hope 
Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the book of 2 Timothy. One of the biggest takeaways from this book is that it's an opportunity for the Apostle Paul to give a sort of closing argument, solidifying who he is in Christ and what he was willing to sacrifice for the furtherance of the gospel. In chapter 4, Paul states, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith. How many people can say that, that they've lived well and haven't fallen away from God even in times of adversity? This is an incredible statement that Paul speaks. May you strive today and every day to be able to say the same, that you fought the fight, that you finished the race, and most importantly, that you've kept the faith. We're so glad that you tuned in to study the Word with us today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can listen again online at breadforthebroken.com. Once you're there, simply click on the Listen tab. And if you're looking for a church to call home, we'd love to be that for you. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston. You can get in touch with us by filling out the contact form at our website, breadforthebroken.com. Be sure to let us know how we can be lifting you up in prayer, too. That's all the time that we have for today, but we encourage you to keep on reading on your own. There's more to learn from the book of 2 Timothy, and Pastor James wants to share these things with you right here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of humans who I love.